Welcome back to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. I'm here with Dr. Angela Izmirian. Hi, Angela. Hello. Are you feeling more comfortable now sitting in for Dr. Jenna Lejeune? Yeah, it's finally getting comfortable. <laughs> we haven't heard word peep from her on her world travels. She no. just shuts it down, doesn't she? Yep. Good, good for her. Good girl. <laughs> good girl. Unplug. I did that the other day um, where I didn't bring my phone with me and it was such a total disaster, you know, because everybody's like, where were you? You're always on your phone, blah, 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 blah. And I had to take like two days of encouraging people that it was okay <laughs> that I actually left my phone home for a day. Dr. Brian Goff, always here with us. Hi, Brian. Hello, hello. I, I have been very interested um, just because Angela's experience is all about um, relationships and that's your expertise. And you do something called emotionally focused therapy. I'm really fascinated and I want you guys to have a conversation about it. Okay. Um, so I focus on the couples therapy in particular, but technically there's individual emotion focused therapy and couples emotion focused therapy. And with couples in particular, the main goal is to figure out what is the quote unquote negative pattern that's happening in the relationship. And so what I mean by that is the therapist is trying to just see what you might not necessarily see as being in that cycle or in that dynamic. Mm. Cause it's so much clearer as the third person on the outside to say, Hey, that way you're talking to each other. Let's, let's dissect that a little bit. So the main goal that I like to describe is my goal is to figure out like, how do we create a stronger attachment between you two? And let's slow it down. Let's talk about the things that you don't talk about, mm. the things that you don't share, whether that's the thoughts, the fears, the longings, the emotions, what is coming up for you too? Wow. Um, Brian, you know, what just occurred to me when she was talking about this, mm. how many men in particular will say that sex is the problem. And if you got the woman in the other room, they would say the communication is the problem. The reason I don't want to have sex with Right, <laughs> right. And so yeah. the therapist is there like sort of trying to go through the weeds to get to what is really at well, the, the beginning, yeah. right? I think oftentimes the, the, and this may be a bit of a stereotype, but I think a lot of the times the problem that the, that the, that the male and the straight couple partnership has is that my wife has problems with our relationship. So, you know, happy wife, happy life kind of thing. Like, you know, that's the thing that I want to work on is whatever it takes to make her okay. Mm. How are you? I'm fine. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of right. thing. And then the business about, you know, sex or communication. I remember when I was in grad school, uh, I had a professor who, uh, who said, um, you know, people say that the, the three most common things are communication, sex, and money. And it's actually communication and then communication about sex and communication about money. Oh, that is yeah. such a great um, line. But the, oh, that is so perfect. Yeah, it's, it's the, and it isn't just that we talk about it because a lot of people talk about these things. It's the, it's the way that we talk about it. And Angela, I think the thing that I really like about what you're saying is uh, it's, it's the focus on the stuff that normally couples think is the problem. Mm -hmm. Like we have a good interaction so long as it's really positive, as opposed to we have a really good interaction when I tell you what I'm afraid of yeah. or, um, or this thing that really hurts for me mm. uh, or, mm -hmm. this, or this way that I'm sort of moved. I think so oftentimes we think of the emotions that are unpleasant to experience as problems to be solved as opposed to part of the landscape of my internal experience. And when I am willing to communicate, communicate those and receive that from somebody, then I have more emotional intimacy. Exactly. You feel so much closer when you're saying like, hey, I'm scared. 
every time we don't have sex, it's not because the sex is bad. It's because that's how I feel unloved. Mm-hmm. And that's when I start wondering, are we okay? Yeah. And so hearing that as a partner, I'd be like, oh my, well, no, of course I love you. Yeah. I didn't know that's what's going on for you. Mm-hmm. And so it just brings that intimacy like so much stronger between the couple. <laughs> so um, when people get into a relationship, it's interesting to me that oftentimes their communication styles don't match at all. Mm-hmm. One person is a really open processor. It's just very verbal, wants to do everything kind of out in the open. The other person has been raised where there could be an elephant in the room and they step over it to make sure they don't talk about it. How do you make sure to respect one another's styles, communication styles, at the same time to find kind of a happy medium where both people can feel heard, loved, wanted, supported? That's, yeah, that's perfect. Um, What I usually do is I will stick with one partner for a little bit of time, ask them what I think would be the deepening questions. So like, stay there. Tell me why it's so hard. Tell me why you shut down. Mm. And then have them get to a place where they're able to, at least in their words, and they get to choose what words they share, which is why I love it. You get to choose. If if I say that was scary and you're like, no, that's really not what it feels like. I'm like, well, great. Tell me. Tell me what it is for you. Mm-hmm. And then they are able to share what their experience is. And I just say, perfect. You just perfectly summarize it in this bubble of sometimes I'm anxious and I'm anxious because blah, 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 blah happened. Mm. And I was like, great share it with your partner. And so basically couples therapy, at least emotionally focused couples therapy is getting to that place where you get to the deeper emotions and then you practice in session how to tell your partner. And then you, we, I ask like, how was that for you? Was that hard? Like, mm. of course it was hard. This is new. This is different. And so as we figure out this new way of communicating, um, I check in to say like, is this actually what you want to do? Yeah. Because honestly, it, both both partners, no matter what type of type of communication style you're having, isn't working for your other partner. Yeah, that's why you're here. You know, I was thinking about the just the complexity of people's lives and how now most American couples are dual earners um, with kids, with activities, with falling into bed at eleven o'clock after doing dishes and homework, and and no wonder the divorce rate is high. We are so stressed and so economically stressed and consume stress. And then whatever spare time it is we do have, we're spending on, you know, Instagram rather than actually coming toward one another. Mm-hmm. How do you get people to, to try to re-engineer their very busy lives and very busy schedules to make communication a top priority rather than the thing that happens at the end of a really stressful long day? Yeah, it's a good question. I um I don't know that I think of it in terms of emphasizing communication as much as I do connection. Mm-hmm. And 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 communication has for so many people if you if you've been at work all day the typical interaction that you have with a a customer or a coworker is very instrumental. Like you're talking to me because you have a problem and then I fix that problem and or i can't or i convince you that it isn't a problem and then we move on um and there isn't a lot of sort of comfort and connection conversation at work of course it's mostly it's mostly get stuff done in here and problem solving (laughs) of course (laughs) and so i think if you if you hear this and think uh, oh 
okay, on top of my very full day, my very busy day, I've been putting out fires all day. Now I need to check in and make sure that my partner's okay and see what it is that they don't like that I did mm -hmm. or, or receive a request for me to do another thing. Uh, and it just feels like more of the same. It feels like uh, I have to meet somebody's needs or I have to tell them that it, it's not really a need uh, as opposed to just... I want to connect. I want to understand your experience. Yeah. I want to hear how you feel and how your day was. Um, maybe less about fielding mm, requests, I guess. Yeah. And more about just taking in what the person has to share. And it turns out that it doesn't take tons and tons of time. Um, I mean, I think yeah. of it the same way when I think about connecting with my kids. I don't need loads and loads of time to have a really good connection for a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just you. You've talked about this before, Angela, the expressing a love language that is theirs and them exactly. seeing you who might not be the most fastidious person doing the dishes, sweeping the floor, cleaning up, tidying. That can be enough for that person in that type of communication. But there does have to be every single day a kind of awareness about, I have another person who's my team member yeah. and I need to treat them with as much respect and love as I would anyone who I want to do something for me at work. Mm -hmm. Because so oftentimes in, in marriages, people begin taking advantage of the person who's holding their home team together, you know? Yeah. They just yeah. don't see it the way that so many people should. Because therapy still for many, many couples is almost this sort of like, oh God, I have to go to therapy. <laughs> yes, I have couples say that all the time. Yeah. It's almost like a penalty, you know, when they, mm -hmm. when they don't understand that it's almost like having the best coach you can for your life. How do you change people's minds who come in with that bias? You, you usually start with the person who is most hesitant. Ah. Um, and you kind of get their buy-in by getting them to connect to their partner in a way that they've never done before and then seeing that it has a positive effect. Mm. So if I think of what we have, like each partnership usually has, I say usually because it's not always the case, the pursuer, the person who's like, talk to me, talk to me, turns up the volume every time an argument happens. Mm. And then the withdrawer, the one who turns down the volume, the one who's like, I'm out and then walks away. And so... That I think we start usually with the person who's the withdrawer, the one who says I'm out mm. because we have to get them back in. Yeah. And then we say like, share the thing that was so overwhelming in that moment that you thought I got to leave. Yeah. And then if they are able to share it and that person, the partner on the other side is able to go, I didn't know that was happening for you. They see, wow, this moment of me sharing created something that was actually intimacy building, closeness building rather than pushing my partner away. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you, Brian, do you work with your people to have them recognize the rush of adrenaline and the cortisol rising and the, all of the emotional, physical things that are going on that cause a person to say, oh, I, I'm out. I got to get out of here. Do you yeah. have them get in touch yeah, physically? Either, and I don't do so much work with uh, couples, but, but I talk to people a lot about the relationships that they're in. And I think it happens both with the withdrawer and the pursuer that, um, at some point you can get uh, like physiologically kind of aroused enough, your heart rate starts going quick and, and you sort of feel the heat uh, that at that point it becomes more of a task of emotion reg, yeah. motion regulation and just finding the ground under your feet than right. it is about trying to navigate. There's a, 
researcher from decades ago who would, uh, his, uh, his research was to have couples basically fight, argue about something and try to make some headway about it within, you know, 20 minutes or so, didn't expect a lot. And then would videotape these and, and, and basically, uh, has thousands and thousands of couples argue. And one of the, and they're hooked up to all this physiological stuff about their heart rate and their, their sweating and, and, and whatnot and looking for little micro expressions. And one of the takeaways, one of the things that he found was once your heart rate gets above about 120, nothing good can come of the conversation. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's when I think that there's the, the, the great adage that at that point you should both strip and see if you still have as much heat, <laughs> yes. right? See if you can continue the argument just as you are. I'm going to. I'm going to channel Jenna since she's not here. One of the things she said in a previous episode is if there's one thing that I, I would want for couples to do is that they would come to couples therapy sooner. Yeah. Uh-huh. People exactly. do that sort of at the last sort of ditch effort. Yeah. And, and of course, Angela, I defer to you. I don't do the couples work, but I think one of the ways to maybe get buy-in on the process, I wonder, uh, is to get, is to get, uh, find common ground on what a good outcome is. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's right? great. So if it's if it's like if we both can paint a similar picture of what we would want this relationship to be about, then it isn't so much about do I love the process of getting there, mm-hmm. but is the goal worth it? If I went to a dentist and I selected the procedures based on the ones that I enjoy, <laughs> Zero. versus what I might yeah. want or, or need, right? Or need, uh-huh. like, I don't, I'm not a real big fan of root canals. I think <laughs> we should just clean, you know, um, can you just brush my teeth again? Uh, uh-huh. That if you get lots and lots of buy-in on, uh, you know, the what goal. would we like, what would we like this thing to look like? And is that important enough for us to do some heavy lifting? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll add to that. Yes. The common goal and assuming the com- same common enemy because what yeah. I tell people is like, your partner is not the enemy. They're not the person to blame. They're not the problem. It's the dynamic, the dynamic that you have between you two. And yeah. that's your common enemy. I love that. So if you can go in with that common enemy, you'll, you're more likely to succeed. Wonderful. Our um, sponsors, of course, are really helpful to us. Cedar Hills Hospital and the Foundation for Excellence in Mental Health Care. And if you like the podcast, please give us a thumbs up where you listen. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>